Good evening. Welcome to the Pipeline. I'm Corey Morgan. This is the Western Standards weekly panel show where we break down the top issues of the day, discuss them, analyze them. Usually have a couple of our top writers or columnists on to help uh, navigate the, these things. And today we, we've got a lot of really complicated and difficult stuff to navigate. So I'm going to start to all get our, our, you know, speaking to our sponsor first out of the way, and that's uh, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. They are a fantastic sponsor, guys. And this is how we can keep having these shows, keep breaking into these issues you're not going to see on the mainstream media is because of sponsors and, of course, members like yourselves. And I'm sure you've subscribed, right? Well, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association, if you own firearms, you want to own firearms, you have to be a member of these guys. They uh, stand up for your rights. And there's all sorts of resources, too. I mean, directions to firearms shows, uh, shooting sports events, things like that. Uh, check them out. I mean, it's standing up for you because you got a government that wants to take away your rights. And if you don't stand up for them, you're going to lose them. So it's Canadian Shooting Sports Association, CSSA-CILA.org, or just Google them, Canadian Shooting Rights, Canadian Shooting Sports Association, and uh, take out a membership, guys. All right, let's get to it. I'm joined today by our opinion editor, Nigel Hannaford. Hello again, Corey. Hey, good to see you back in studio. Yeah, and just love it. <laughs> our news editor, Dave Naylor, who's been running hard this week. It's been a crazy few days, Corey. It has. So, I mean, I'll, I'll get right to it. It's going to dominate this show because it's just dominated the whole week. Uh, Israel is at war. Uh, you know, uh, Hamas has, has, has just pulled off one of the most horrific uh, terrorist uh, attacks against Israel. And, and now, of course, the, the retaliation is going to take some time. Uh, I guess just for some folks, maybe if they turned off the TVs uh, all Thanksgiving and so on, uh, give us a rundown of what's going on, Dave. Yeah, it was really uh, scenes of savagery, the likes we've uh, uh, rarely seen. Uh, it was a surprise attack. Uh, somehow the uh, Hamas managed to uh, catch the Israelis asleep at the wheel and uh, defeat their vaunted intelligence. Uh, uh, launched an attack Saturday morning from, uh, from the Gaza Strip in southern Israel in which hundreds and hundreds of Hamas uh, terrorists uh, poured into southern Israel. Uh, they attacked a music festival and slaughtered uh, 260 young people there. Uh, they went into uh, kibbutzes and slaughtered families in their beds. Uh, the Prime Minister's office uh, today confirmed that uh, uh, up to 40 babies had been decapitated, if you can imagine that, uh, Corey, uh, in, in these attacks. Uh, uh, they were done by paragliding commandos of all things, uh, troops pouring across the border after the, uh, uh, the border was unsealed. And uh, 1,200 Israelis were killed in that terrorist attack Saturday, uh, uh, Saturday morning, and uh, hundreds of terrorists also, uh, also, also died. Of course, the Israeli response has been swift. Uh, they are launching a, uh, they have launched a massive aerial attack on Hamas. And the Gaza Strip, which is, if you don't know much about it, it's one of the most densest populated cities uh, or countries in the world. And uh, it looks like they're basically going to uh, reduce it to rubble. Uh, the uh, a defense official said uh, they're going to uh, create a tent city for the entire country, not leave any single building standing. And they've got 300,000 troops uh, amassed on the, on the border for a ground invasion. And it's been uh, interesting to see all the the flights filled filled with uh, young Israeli men flying back to Israel uh, to to rejoin the army and, and join up. Uh, so the uh, ground war is uh, imminent. The air air war continues to pound. 
And then, of course, we've got the uh, the big question, or many, many big questions, including uh, uh, what's going to happen with Hezbollah on uh, northern Israel and uh, in Lebanon. There's already been some uh, uh, tit-for-tat firing uh, over there. So uh, uh, unbelievable carnage, and unfortunately, I think more carnage is yet to come. Well, that's it. Uh, I mean, it's hard to understand the motivations of this. We're outside of it. Uh, you know, it, 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 thankfully, in the world we're in, it just doesn't occur to us to, to, to support something as horrific as this. But what, Nigel, I know it's a big, broad question, but I mean, they, they, they knew what they must be invoking. What did Hamas think they were going to accomplish out of this? Okay, well, I'm going to try and give the Hamas point of view, but let me say right off the front, I have no use for this organization oh, I whatsoever. We're just trying to figure out. I'm trying to give it. Yes. I'm trying to be fair to to you know why it is that they do what they do, but you know I I have just been personally um, deeply saddened by as the news comes out that people have been burned to death in their cars. There's pictures on the internet right now, as the you know some poor teenage kid is taken across the border and to be held as a hostage. And, you know, you can imagine all the things that, all the things that, we, and then 40 dead babies, some of them decapitated, all of them dead. And people in Canada are, you know, like this person from CUPE, like in Ontario, Saying, oh, the, what, is, what was this quote exactly? The Palestine is rising, long live the resistance. Yeah, 40 dead babies, some of them decapitated, long live Palestine, long live the resistance. Screw them. I, I have no use for anybody who is. The, iro the ironic thing, Nigel, is the, the guy who did it, Fred Hahn, uh, is openly gay. Uh, so good luck to him trying to deal with Hamas. They. They deal with gays straight much harsher, much harsher than straight off the top of the minaret. No, no questions asked. So now to come back to now. Thank you for letting me have my rant. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've got room to, to rant a bit on this one. There's so, a lot to cover. so here's the thing that I think is going on during the Trump administration. Great efforts were made with some success to bring peace to the Middle East. The Palestinians would say. It's all very well for Israel and Saudi Arabia and Egypt to work things out between themselves. What about us? We're stuck here on this little coastal strip in a highly densely uh, uh, populated part of the world. And in our opinion, I think they're wrong, but in, in their opinion, they have a historic claim to that part of the world. So you guys are all trying to work this out together Nobody is looking out for our interests. Well, we can disrupt your peace process. We can launch a, a futile attack on Israel, which will force Israel to retaliate in the strongest terms. A tent city would be just in the circumstances. And uh, we will, the peace process goes nowhere. Goes nowhere. We, meanwhile, remain players on the stage. And we've got our friends in Hezbollah who, if the Iranians give them permission, will help us. Hamas has had its own difficulties with, uh, with the Iranians, which I do not understand and cannot explain.
but apparently that has now been settled. So I think this is just a just a horribly costly and barbaric attempt to remain a piece on the chessboard. They, they seem to have gone out of their way to be as provocative as possible. This was planned. Like some of the worst atrocities we're seeing, they aren't being released by the IDF. They're being released by Hamas's own videos. I mean, this was purposeful, showing that that young lady clearly been terribly treated, uh, being forced into a vehicle uh, to be further abused. Uh, you know, the, the, the pictures of them entering houses and kibbutzes, peaceful little enclaves and, and torching the places, even shooting their pets. Like they are, you know, it's not like they're trying to surreptitiously do an attack. They want to make sure the world sees just how vicious and horrible they're being while they're at it. Uh, they're trying to prompt a response. And they certainly got it out of Israel, but I think they're trying to get much more than that. Yeah, I don't understand the end game here, as Nigel says. I mean, what, what Israel is now doing had to be expected. And, you know, if, if you... you uh, you operate with such barbarity that you're severing the heads off babies, then shouldn't you expect your country to be turned into a parking lot? And that's uh, that, that's what's going to happen. So I don't really see the end game here. Uh, the, the Gaza, you know, the Hamas uh, runs Gaza. They're in charge. They're the government. They're the elected power. Uh, and I think Corey, you got a column coming out later on today that until the ordinary Gazans rise up and say no, we don't want nothing to do with Hamas, then. You know the situation is going to change, but uh, there's uh, there. Bottom line is there's a lot of innocent people on both sides that have died and will die, and uh, for what good uh, I can't see. Yeah. So let's circle a bit back to not just the you know the Fred Hahn uh, is his name. Again? Fred Hahn. Hahn. Uh, so he he's the head of QB Ontario. Just for, for viewers who don't know, I, I I don't blame you for not knowing who this moron is, but that's who he is, and other union. X accounts, and we've had union affiliated, I mean, it's, it's NDP members coming out. There, there, there's some sort of, and I'm going to say it, it's anti-Semitic basis on the far left in Canada and probably elsewhere, and they just can't contain themselves. I mean, they won't retract. They won't back off. In fact, they're doubling down. It, it isn't just a case of being, because they always say, oh, we're, we're allowed to be critical of Israel. Yeah, that's fine. But you're celebrating Hamas. There's a big difference there. Yeah. While, while Rachel Notley, Alberta NDP leader, has, has condemned the attack, one of her MLAs, Calgary uh, Klein MLA, uh, uh, Lizette uh, Tejeda, apologize if I got her last name wrong. In the past, she has openly called uh, Israel barbaric and committing genocide uh, of the Palestinians. Uh, we have a story on a Mount Royal University professor who wrote in Al Jazeera yesterday about how the you know Palestinian resistance and, and uprising. We had a story on the Osgood Law School. Uh, they're they're you know, lawyers of the future, you know, praising the uh, the Palestinian uh, resistance. On a point of detail, that was a Muslim a group of Muslim lawyers within the school that did that. Yes, correct. Uh, yeah, but you know, academ academia across. The world basically is coming under uh, scrutiny for for anti-Semitic po uh, posts and teachings uh, and whatnot. So, well, our friend at the at, at Mount Royal University, his line apparently is, "Well, I don't I don't seek to justify violence. I seek to explain it." And I think that's an incredibly tight, small rope to try and 
to try and walk. Because if you're saying, well, obviously anybody who had suffered this would do that, you've gone beyond explaining and already you're starting to justify and you're certainly encouraging. So I, I mean, I find his, uh, his, uh, his input on that highly suspect, not the least because when he controlled the Calgary Peace Prize, he managed to get it awarded to um, a fellow who had um, called uh, for the death of all de death of all Jews. Jews. So you know, it's pretty. I don't know how I don't know how these people draw their salary, frankly. No, uh, but it's uh, you know it was, it was kind of disturbing to see in in all major cities uh, Palestinians uh, you know openly celebrating the the death of the these hundreds of Israelis waving flags marching. You know, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. Uh, you know, in Toronto, we had a massive counter-protest. You know, 300 uh, pro-Palestinians, 15,000 pro-Israelis. So uh, at least that was good to see in uh, in Toronto. So, I mean, what is, I got to imagine, your, your average, I mean, organized labor, it's the heads of organized labor who are putting out these odious uh, remarks in, in support of terrorism. I'm going to say it like that. They're supporting terrorists. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't these members start speaking up though? Like that's enough. You guys don't, like, cause I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing members saying, Hey, they don't represent me. You know, they, this is supposed to be a labor union. They're supposed to negotiate my workplace contract. They're supposed to ensure, you know, that I'm have good working conditions and here they are sidetracking and, and, and supporting terrorists. No, there's, there's not a rush of people saying I'm going to withhold my dues. Yeah, well, I guess I guess on a purely practical level, it's just a payroll deduction. It's kind of hard to do because uh, if the payroll clerk says, "Well, I, I have my orders. I got to do this," you know, it's a little difficult. But uh, you're right; there should be groundswell. Like I cannot honestly believe that every one of the four thousand. Uh, uh, I did have a number. It was a considerable number of uh, of um, workers that this that this. Uh, particular local was representing. I can't believe that every one of those is just in lockstep and, you know, seeing the blood flow and the heads roll, they, they would say, yeah, let's have more of this. You tell them. Yeah, there's been no immediate call for his uh, removal from any union member. They pulled the tweet uh, down pretty quick. Yeah, you know, and he even doubled down yesterday uh, and uh, they blamed uh, trolls, you know, for causing all the, uh, the uh, hysteria anti-Israeli trolls, sorry, uh, pro-Israeli trolls, you know, so it's, uh, he's, he's got himself in a world of trouble and uh, he doesn't seem to want to apologize for celebrating the death of uh, more than a thousand people. And this is the thing, this is a very, very complex, and if you really, if you really want to get into the whole history of the Arab-Israeli conflict and go back over the decades and see where all this came from, I don't know whether you would ever reach a conclusion, but there is a time and a place to to make your argument. And when innocents have been brutally murdered, there's not the time to say, way to go, boys, let's do some more. That is, uh, I just have no patience with that whatsoever. I know that the counter argument to that would be, well, the Israelis do it all the time. The thing is, they don't do it all the time. No, there's no moral equivalence. There is tired no. of people trying to yeah, play that. Uh, it, that's exactly right. Israel responds when the other side provokes, and uh, if they and by the way, if children are killed in Gaza, as undoubtedly they, by the look of things, it looks as if they will be. It's it's a different thing to drop a bomb on a building and the people inside are killed, 
than what it is to go into a bedroom and stick a knife into a child and then cut its head off and leave the bed, uh, the picture you showed me, the just bed covered in blood and toys around covered in blood. And you know the child has just been murdered there. That's very personal. And the intensity of the hatred in a, a young man, because that's what it's going to be, the intensity of a hatred in a young man to do that is just uh, a horrifying thing to see and to know that somebody put that in there. Somebody taught him to feel like that. What kind of people are they? The cowardice of it. You, you know, I mean, I, I think people, nobody seeing likes to watch war and people killing each other, but they can they can wrap their heads around military forces. Yes. In a conflict going at each other, combatants, even if it's still horrifying. But these guys, again, went out of their way for the low-hanging fruit. They went to a music festival for peace, of all things. You knew these were not going to be people who were going to fight back. And for people not familiar with it, a kibbutz is, is like a little commune. I, I said on X the other day, the closest equivalent would be almost like a Hutterite colony. You know, it's, it's agriculturally based. It's small. They tend to be pacifists, often hippies. And again, th these are spots. They knew that. They're not going to deal with somebody fighting back or shooting back. They're pacifists. And they slaughtered them. It's just... Uh, Astounding on this level. Uh, so getting to the political response. So, uh, you know, the country's condemnation, at least from civilized nations, has been pretty much universal, hasn't it? It has. Uh, our own Prime Minister, uh, Trudeau, uh, did what I thought was a good job, and I think we can all agree that he did a good job on... Uh, the exact uh, quote. Hamas terrorists aren't a resistance. They're not freedom fighters. They are terrorists. And no one in Canada should be supporting them, much less celebrating them, Trudeau said. So very, very, amen. very, amen. How often do we get to say that? Something Trudeau did, yeah. And uh, he was at a, a community of, of Jewish people in Ottawa that night, as was opposition leader Polyev. Uh, Polyev was even stronger than Trudeau. Uh, so two good, uh, two good statements uh, from our leaders, and uh, uh, yeah, the universal condemnation, uh, except for maybe uh, North Korea and Russia. But uh, every other uh, sane leader in the world uh, has condemned it uh, uh, wholeheartedly. And I do want to give some credit where it's due, because, you know, I spend a lot of time beating on Prime Minister Trudeau. But he, he covered, as a guy who's typically noncommittal, likes to be mealy-mouthed, likes to give word salad. He was very clear, as, as he quoted there. And he used the key word <clears throat> terrorist, which our state broadcaster won't use. Uh, he condemned the people supporting it, which a lot of people won't do. Again, their silence is almost consent. Uh, which he could have dodged by just not even talking about that. But no, he addressed it. And he also said outright that Israel has the right to defend itself. Uh, I was impressed. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, over the last two days, uh, King Charles has called Hamas terrorists, as has Prince William and uh, the Princess of Wales has called them terrorists. BBC hasn't. No. Com combatants. Combatants. Militants. That's Militants. one of their favorites. Fighters. Yes. When you go in and slaughter children and families, you're a, fighter. You're a terrorist. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's this is something I think developed nations have got to start pushing back on. Again, it's this mealy mouth crap when it comes to these kinds of acts. You've yeah, got to be able to call them what they are. The New York Times changed their copy in one story from it was initially Hamas terrorists. Editor went in and changed it to gunmen. So well, did uh, gunmen, or no, was it, was it militants that killed Mountbatten and his family? Or, uh, no, I think it was IRA terrorists. Yes. I believe you may be right. You know, and they certainly didn't hesitate to call it that then. And this is far more targeted and horrific than that. 
Yeah, but uh, you know, good for Trudeau and good for Paulia for uh, for doing the right thing. Yes, well, there's going to be a, a lot of, I guess, moral questioning and things going on. I mean, the, the initial horror is fading off, and we're actually going to see more of the, I think, the downscaling, unfortunately, over time. Have you noticed the, the, the strange double standard in the liberal elite media, though? When it comes to something like this, they are at pains to be seen as even-handed and not trying to manipulate the language so that people they lead people in any direction. So don't talk about terrorists. You talk about something else. You talk about fighters or combatants. But on the other end, if it's one of their subjects, the most loaded headlines and twisted leads are justified all the time, just so that you, the reader, don't have any doubt as to about what the truth is in the story, is what we're telling you. It's, uh, it's unsettling. Well, we, we have a funded, tax-funded Canadian Anti-Hate Network, I think I believe that's what right. called them. They dedicate all their time going after the truckers' convoy and the, the parental rights movements, because apparently they're spreading hate. They... Still, to this point, remain deathly silent on the pro-terrorist rallies held across the Five country. days without a peep. If mm. they can't call that hate, they don't deserve to exist as a group. They certainly don't deserve the taxpayers' money. No, and they're getting that, and they're and considered a charity. Mm. So I think next, the next thing, Corey, is, is, is the ground invasion. Mm. And you're seeing the military build up, not only from Israel, uh, but uh, from, from countries around the world. The uh, United States has now dispatched a second aircraft carrier uh, to uh, to the, the coastline. Uh, Great Britain is considering sending their, the, the newest carrier in the world, the uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, II. They're thinking of sending that air carrier and support group to, to the Mediterranean. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's going to die down. I think there may be a bit of a lull. And then when the actual invasion starts of Gaza, I think all hell is going to break loose again because that's when you're going to see the ugly street fighting, uh, almost hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, there was a report of uh, today 30 uh, Gazan children killed at a school. I, I have no idea why they would be going to a school today. I don't know if that's propaganda, uh, but there were uh, UN workers killed, a dozen UN workers. There were half a dozen Red Cross workers killed. And, and this is before the invasion even starts. So when you've got 300,000 troops moving in the narrow streets of Gaza, that will become literally hell on earth. And with all the drone technology and other stuff that we've got uh, uh, available today, we are going to get a front row seat. And it's going to be horrific. Yeah, just to clarify, so that actually what they've done is they've called out 300,000 reservists, and they have a standing force of the IDF of over 150,000. So those are full-time soldiers, 150,000. The reservists, as you said, they're flying out from all over the world. When I used to own my pub, I, I had a young lady of Israeli origin who was working with the most soft-spoken gentleman, and she showed some of her Facebook pictures of her when she was in Israel with her, her rifle and such, with her training, putting in her service. I don't know if she's planning to fly over as the others, but that there is a large force. But they're not full-time soldiers as well. They, they've been trained. Uh, but, they, I, I, yeah, that could be terribly dangerous. To, to, well, it's going to be, of course, by nature. But, you know, this, this you, do, you don't think Hamas is setting booby traps on every street uh, in Gaza at this very moment? Of course they are. Of course they are, yeah. So trying to speculate, Nigel, like the, the show of force, I guess, coming from the United States and, and uh, the UK, you know, was sending military uh, naval fleets to the area. I, I, they'd have no interest in getting in anywhere on the ground in Gaza in that area. I'm kind of speculating it's just more messaging to the neighboring nations saying stay out. Stay out of it. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be visited by one of our F-35s. 
Uh, and the other thing, of course, is just ensuring continuity of oil flows. Yeah, there's always that. Uh, I mean, to the degree to... that you can do that with a with a naval force, but uh, it depends whether I don't know what's going in with the uh, carriers, whether they also have um, uh, sending in troop carriers as well. That just to do a ground intervention if they need to, if somebody's turning off the taps somewhere. I don't know, but that would make sense that uh, if they, they will be able to do what they need to do to keep the keep energy on. It's not just uh, the United States and Great Britain. I mean, all of Europe is drawing drawing uh, um, oil from that area. And good Lord, we get some ourselves from, from that area. Not that there's a Canadian aircraft carrier on the... Uh, <laughs> Currently being constructed. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. The American government has confirmed that they have assets in the area now that are capable of rescuing hostages. So we're talking the FBI hostage rescue team. We're talking SEAL teams, uh, the, 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 the elite of the elite. So if they get intelligence that an American hostage is being held at this address in Gaza, uh, they said these guys are known as the door kickers. I wouldn't be surprised to see American boots on the ground in Gaza rescuing an American hostage. Because the Israelis are a bit busy at the moment. Mm -hmm. yeah, specialized targeted. Specialized targeted. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would not, not. That would not surprise me at all. Well, they're protecting their citizens. That's nature. And there's a lot of American citizens in Israel. I mean, it's, Israel yeah. is, is a unique country. I, I mean, with the amount of citizens it has around the world, but still strong ties back to, to Israel that are going to support. I mean, the, the, the ramifications as this goes on. Uh, Americans have been putting a lot of resources into Ukraine. They're going to be diverting a lot of that now towards uh, Israel, and uh, they only have so much they can dedicate. I think they're the the money making printing machines are, are going strong in uh, in uh, the United States. Uh, just quickly, one point on the last thing: there are Canadian hostages. Mm -hmm. The Israeli government confirmed today. We don't know how many, but there are Canadians being held hostage. Uh, Ukraine President Zelensky is concerned about this. He says. You know, the world's attention will now focus to the Middle East and people will forget about us. Uh, there was a, a NATO meeting today in, in Europe uh, in which all the defense ministers said, uh, you know, we won't. Uh, European countries pledged uh, more hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, the U.S. government is, is pledging hundreds of millions of dollars more. So, um, you know, and, and the U.S. is also giving arms to Israel terms of armaments and and whatnot. So they, their stocks must be pretty depleted. Um, and you know, it looks like the uh, Ukrainian counteroffensive is kind of stalled or not going as quickly as they would hope. Right. So, you know, I guess there may not be enough weapons to go around. Should have bought General Dynamics when we had the chance. Exactly. Yeah, I guess uh, kind of a minor blessing in a sense. I mean, it's, it still doesn't matter. It's being utilized elsewhere, but... Uh, the Russian hardware and abilities, I mean, they've often liked to play in, often in support of the Arab nations in that area, but they don't have resources they can be sending down there. They're trying to get resources out of North Korea right now as it stands militarily. So, you know, some of those players, Saudi Arabia, Iran and the others can't count on Russia to uh, put to put in on this, which, again, I think is good because it might reduce the chances, which I think a lot of people fear of an all out war breaking out in the, that area. So, you know, you talk about all that war, and obviously we should talk about it, and that is a, a real risk that a lot of people are concerned about. There's also 
the risk of this spreading. And I'm thinking now about this mullah who has called for a global jihad. Perhaps I'm incorrect in calling him a mullah, but he is... A, he was a, one of the founders of Hamas. Yeah, one of the founders of Hamas. Yeah. Okay, so um, the guy's name is Michelle, and he's called on Hamas militants to conduct attacks around the world on Friday. So we're here talking about what the Americans are going to be doing for the Israelis. I wonder if... We're going to be talking next week about how the Americans handled the tax on their own soil. It's an interesting point, Nigel, because there was a lot of talk on Twitter over the weekend about the uh, absolutely crazy flow of uh, migrants coming across the uh, the U.S. southern border, you know, 10, 11,000 a day. And there was speculation that amongst this crew, not just recently, but a while ago, uh, Hamas operatives, terrorists, have, have slipped in and are now in the States. And uh, the speculation got so much that the FBI actually issued a statement on it saying, you know, we're, we're monitoring, we, we're not aware of any, anything, anything looming. But uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't come as a surprise if something happened in, in, uh, in the United States over the next month or so. Well, just before we came on the program, Dave, I downloaded one story, just is very recent here, about two men who had been apprehended, who were on the terrorist watch list, and they were trying to slip across the border. And the thrust of the story was that, well, it was only two men. It's very rare, you know, whereas in actual fact, it was more like, according to a, a, a different source, that it was more like about 160 people over the course of that time had been recognized. But, you know, don't, they don't have to be on anybody's watch list. No. You can just be a, a young kid and growing up in Gaza without any prospects, and somebody says to you, if you want to do this, you could go to the United States. You'll come up through the border. We'll, we'll, we'll get you through there. You don't have to worry about the gangs. Uh, we'll get you through, and you just go where we tell you and wait. And there will be other sleepers who will be doing the same thing, and when we give you the signal, start start shooting. We always, sorry, we always thought it was going to be the Russians, Russian yeah. sleeper agents. Yeah. But there's nothing to say. Hamas doesn't have sleeper agents. You know, you talk about the two <coughs> that were picked up. Okay, well, two uh, out of how many? 11,000 people cross a day, mm -hmm. and you find two. Well, well yikes, the, I don't the other know. part is some just local nut bar who's inspired by the events over there decides on their own. I, I mean, Dearborn, Michigan, how many thousands came out waving there? There, you know, because there's a very large population there of people. Uh, again, most of them, of course, aren't going to commit any acts of violence, but that, that's the nature of terrorism. A, a very small number of people can commit some, some terrible amount of damage. And then you get the social backlash, and then we really will start seeing some... some now, when you look at the just the hundreds and hundreds of terrorists that Hamas convinced to go across the border into Israel in what they probably knew was going to be a suicide mission. They weren't coming back from them. And they persuaded hundreds, you know, more than, you know, score hundreds uh, to, to do it, to, to give up their lives uh, for the, the Hamas cause. So you're not beyond the you know the realm of impossibility that they could have convinced some 
some young men to go to a, America, sneak in, and you know, attack the great Satan uh, in the underbelly. That, that's it. Uh, I mean, the lack of prospects in some of these places is so severe that it actually sounds attractive. I know when I was in Afghanistan, I was up in the northwest part of it, in Gar province, and I just being shown around. And there was this 14-year-old kid who was looking after a flock of goats, herd of goats. And the, the person who was introducing us around pulled him over and talked to him in his own language, obviously. He was very courteous, very pleasant kid. And he said, you know, he could be one of the next ones because this is all he's got to look forward to for the rest of his life. If he decides to go with the Taliban, they will make him rich beyond his wildest imagination. And if he gets killed, and he probably will, then the family gets a huge payout. So, of course, they're going to have takers. There's, there's a large cultural and faith embracing of martyrdom. Oh, yeah. I mean, martyrs are, are, are very, you know, it's the height of your action you can do for Allah. Yep. Is right. to be martyred for the cause. Uh, we don't see that, thankfully, in, in most other... Uh, it was just seeing this kid, though. Yeah. You suddenly realized there was this flesh-and-blood example. Okay, if that was me, what would I What would I want? You want to make your mark in the world to be somebody yeah. with a sense of purpose. That's right. The, the, the one bad actor that we haven't talked about that could have enormous consequence on, is Iran. Uh, there's all sorts of talk about Iran... Uh, having helped uh, fund the, the Hamas attack and helped arm them, and uh, uh, and you know has been a constant su supply of money and and support. Now, it hasn't been uh, officially linked yet, but if it it does come out that Iran helped this, what's going to happen then? Is there going to be sanctions on Iran? Is Iran going to launch an, you know Iran can launch a launch attacks on. Uh, on Israel, they got the fighter jets. To, or to is Israel it. going to attack Iran? Or is Israel going to attack Iran uh, proactively, right, and hit their nuclear their nuclear thing? And the big thing with Iran, Iran is uh, the world's fourth largest producer of oil. Since this uh, this whole crisis broke, oil kind of been steady, uh, you know, eighty seven, eighty six dollars a barrel. But if sanctions are put on on Iran, that affects their oil uh, producing capabilities. That's when we're talking about $100 uh, a barrel oil and $2 a liter gasoline. Mm -hmm. So they're a crucially important player. And, uh, you know, I don't think their leaders are playing with a full deck. So uh, they're, uh, they're unpredictable, which is very dangerous. Well, again, you know, their hatred of Israel is in the same league as the hatred that's inside a young man who stabs a baby to death. Um, they're capable of anything. And we've been lucky so far that wiser heads have prevailed, but not necessarily forever. They will seize what they view as their chance. This could be it. Um, one final push and the little Satan is, is finished. Well, we're old enough to remember enough hostage situations in Iran, enough Ayatollahs and ongoing. I mean, Iran's always been a, a, a rogue nasty player just the fact i mean it's it's a reality as cold as it sounds they have so much oil they can't be taken off the, the stage but they they, they they increasingly just insist on being such a terrible player on the world stage. you know it's the darnest thing Corey. i mean you, you run into iranians 
over here all the time, people who have legally immigrated to Canada from Iran, some of the nicest people in the world. They're really fine people. What is it about their government that they can't get rid of it? Uh, I know they've tried from time to time and they've had their heads knocked and worse for, for making the attempt, but this is like a group of gangsters that's running a small town in the in, uh, in, in, in the Wild West, except that it's not a small town. It's a country that may have a nuclear weapon. So the the uh, Revolutionary Guard has got their, their boot on the, on the throat of the country. Uh, there are secret police whose name mm-hmm. escapes, escapes me now. They're, you know, they're beating women for not wearing their hijab properly. So very difficult for the, uh, the population to, uh, to overthrow overthrow that government, I would think. It's, it's, it's easy, I guess, to sit here and say, and that's kind of what I push in the call I'm talking about. Just saying, Gazans have got to start getting up and pushing back. But it is easy for me to say from the comfort of here versus somebody who's on the ground where you could be very terribly executed if you try to push against the authorities that are in power and fail. Um, I'd like to talk, if we could, a minute, Corey, about um, Canadian Palestinians and uh, and how they're showing their their support. I did a story yesterday on an Air Canada pilot who was photographed wearing a Palestinian scarf and it tweeted horrible things about Israel, uh, you know, wishing them to condemn in hell and burn in hell and saying Adolf Hitler would be proud of the Israeli activities. Got on social media, as of course it will, and then you've got people saying, well, uh, Air Canada, what's going on here? I never, I don't want to fly into Tel Aviv with this guy. He was cleared to fly the big you know, 787 jets. So Air Canada immediately grounded him. Uh, it's turned political now with uh, Chilliwack, uh, Hope Chilliwack MP Chuck Stroll and the Conservatives um, calling for his dismissal. We've got a Toronto cop I uh, just saw before coming in here who was basically doing the same thing. He's in uniform, but his Twitter's showing all sorts of nasty messages uh, to uh, against Israel. So it's interesting. I mean, can these can a pilot be fired for supporting Palestine. I mean, well, talk to your human rights commission on that one. Yeah, it's difficult, actually. Uh, it would, well, I don't know whether it is. Well, there's the no, line between Palestine and Hamas. Uh, like, there's the, where you start to get a little more blurry. No tolerance for supporting Hamas. If, if I were in HR in Air Canada, oh. it would be this simple. <laughs> yeah. I would say, listen, man, we, we give you a uniform, you wear the uniform. Yeah. You're not allowed to adorn it with a Palestinian flag or a, a gay pride sticker or anything else. In that individual case, yeah, he, he, he abused his uniform and absolutely, representation. Absolutely. Uh, I agree with Dave. This fellow shouldn't be flying at the moment um, for all kinds of reasons that we can imagine. But the, the, as far as just getting this gentleman to be, uh, it's, a, it's a corporate thing. It's like when you go to Starbucks, they're not supposed to wear their, you know, their personal T-shirt clauses and things like that. Good. That's not what you're there for. But do that on your own time. So, but with somebody with those kinds of political views, boy. Yeah, well, I know we're kind of talking around it, but the reality is if you're flying on a plane, you don't want to think your pilot may be somebody who has terrorist leanings. <laughs> kind of simple, really, isn't it? Go through your mind Common a little. Sense. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, Thankfully, we haven't seen that, but he's in a position of uh, being entrusted with the lives of a lot of passengers, uh-huh. and uh, you wonder how extreme his views might be or how stable he might be. 
Yeah, um, Nigel, when he was talking about uh, uh, touring Afghanistan, you weren't on a personal holiday there. You were there with the with the prime minister. Uh, well, that, the incident I was talking about was on a previous trip. I've okay, been there, been there twice. Uh, you suggested the headline for this ep for this particular episode: "The Israel Fires Water." Yeah. And uh, Corey and I didn't really understand it, but when you told us, it was very interesting. Well, look, uh, back in 2014, uh, Prime Minister Harper did uh, address the Knesset of Israel. And it was an emotional speech. It was intended to be uh, to express Canada's ongoing friendship and support of Israel. And in, the, in that, he said, we will be with you through fire and water. It was, a very, it was a wonderful moment when he delivered that line in the Knesset. There was a brief pause, and then like 600 people simultaneously drew their breath in, like a, uh, and then he got a standing ovation that went on for quite a long time, almost embarrassing. But that's a phrase that comes out of Psalm 66. Uh, it, it's... Um, it speaks to the the experience of being led out of Egypt through the Red Sea when the waters miraculously parted and the Israelites got across and then the waters came back and drowned the Egyptian army that was pursuing them. It speaks to the crossing of the Jordan as they entered the promised land in, the, in, in that phase of their history when the waters were backed up so that they were able to cross the flooding Jordan on you know, a dry waterbed. And then once everybody was across, the river started to flow again. And then it's the fire that preceded them by night and when they were coming through the desert because God represented uh, himself to them as a fire by night, a pillar of fire, and then during the day, a, 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 a pillar of cloud. And as long as they were following that, they were, were going in the right direction and they were safe. So the idea of of fire and water is a is a very emotive one to an observant Jew and especially one living in Israel. So the Prime Minister uh, Prime Minister Harper used that phrase, and um, if it, it, if they ever had any doubts whether he was serious or not, they, those doubts evaporated at that moment. Now it's unfortunate that that strong empathy that built up between Israel and Canada at that time was dissipated very quickly by the current administration. I mean, we were talking earlier about the strong words that Mr. Trudeau had had for the, the terrorists, but, you know, it's been a long time coming and there's not much been done in the meantime. No, and uh, significantly there was a statement put out by uh, uh, five members of the G7, uh, you know, uh, their strong support for Israel and uh, we'll have your back. Uh, one uh, member of the G7 conspicuously absent, mm -hmm. and two guesses as to who that was, uh, Mr. Mr. Trudeau's candidate. So I think that just shows how far we've fallen in the eyes of our allies uh, over the last few years, that they don't even consult us on a, you know, on a breaking world crisis. Dave, I'm, I'm going to make a very subtle distinction on that. I mean, broadly speaking, yes, I agree with you. Of course I do. But I don't think that it is Canada that has fallen in the eyes of its allies. I think it is this particular government 
and particularly this prime minister, who people have already made the decision, this is not a serious player. This is not somebody you can really talk about serious things with. He is frivolous and doesn't follow through and is quite likely to cut the meeting anyway. Let's just not bother with him. I, I would say that it would be very different with the most likely leader of the next government, which obviously is Pierre Oliver. But even if Mr. Trudeau resigned and they had a different leader of the Liberal Party, someone like Mark Carney, man I have profound disagreements with uh, as an opinion writer, I think a lot of what he stands for is awful, but at least if you have run not one central bank, but two, and one of them the Bank of England, you can't write him off as a piece of fluff. And unfortunately, that is the reputation Mr. Trudeau has built for himself. It's going to take a lot more than this. No, Well-spoken as it was, it's going to take more than that to bring him back to any kind of public esteem, and I don't think it's possible. Are you, are, you saying, are you saying Carney wasn't a drama teacher? I, he actually had a job? Unfortunately, when I listen to Mark Carney speak, I have the dreadful sinking feeling that he's not acting, that he actually means what he says. And what he says disturbs me greatly. Yes, intelligent, scary he's dude. He's no fool. And I mean, uh, to kind of close things out and talking about that, you know, our diplomatic corps used to have a strong reputation, some actually very brave acts that we won't have time to get into. We were known for in the Middle East decades ago with a hostage situation there. And what did we see last weekend? Canada's embassy in Israel is closed for Thanksgiving. What do you exist for as an embassy if you cannot staff it in the course of an emergency, even if there happens to be a holiday back home? What uh, an embarrassment. It shows how unseriously. That's, that's the thing is Canada is not taken seriously. We don't even take ourselves seriously if we can't get our embassy open in Israel in a crisis. And uh, then Melanie Jolie, I just want to finish with that. Our foreign affairs minister shows up, G.I. Jane, G.I. Jolie, with, a, you know, uh, olive green. Uh, it definitely was a fashion model to make it look like she was wearing a, a military uh, blazer almost and her hair cut short, military style. She's looking at it as a, a fashion game. It's, it's mm. just drama school. Embarrassing, you know, mm. embarrassing. We're not to be taken seriously. It's it's different when you see a leader in a war zone who's actually there, who's wearing camouflage. The odds of her getting shelled in Ottawa maybe even increased a little bit since that stunt, but are still pretty remote, I would think. Yeah, Indeed. I think Mr. Zelensky overdoes it, frankly. Yes. Uh, but even, you know, at least the guy can say, well, my country's at war, so I'm wearing a, you know, a green T-shirt in solidarity with the boys at the front, you know. <laughs> She's role playing and in a serious role. It's our foreign affairs minister. That's and it right. just, no wonder we don't get the phone calls when the serious business comes. Oh, well, well, thank you guys. Hopefully, though, we have some brighter things to speak of next mm -hmm. week. It really so, cheered me up. Thanks, Glenn. No problem. <laughs> At least in kind of a semi dark comedy note with uh, Madame Jolie, anyways, and her stunt. And that's all we can do. We have to laugh or we'll never stop crying. So, yeah. thanks, guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you all, and we will see you all again next week. Uh, be sure to follow us on our social media channels, share our stuff, and subscribe if you haven't already. Have a good week. The current Lethbridge feed grain prices are as follows. Cash barley's at 345, feed wheat's at 355, and corn's lower at 347 per metric ton. 
In the million wheat markets, December Minneapolis futures lost three and a half cents at 7.20, with local hard red spring bids for October movement at 9.60 per bushel. In the oil seeds, November canola futures are down $3.10 at 7.01.50 per ton, with delivered values for October movement at 15.57 per bushel. In the pulse markets, nearby red lentils are holding at 36.5 cents a pound, and yellow peas remain at 10.75 per bushel. In the cattle markets, December live cattle increased $1.62 at 186.62 per 100 weight. For more information on grain marketing, call me at 403-394-1711. I'm Sean Smith at Marketplace Commodities. Accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada, and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. To become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.